You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. You can be seated and happy Father's Day to all of our dads who are here. Dads, it is a good thing for your kids to hear you singing loudly. You may be the most off-key person in the entire room, but they need to hear you singing loudly. It is good, dads, that your kids are watching you pray. It is good that that your kids are, are seeing you with God's word in hand. I just returned this weekend with our Highland Mission Trip, a team to Uganda, with our own um, Highlands own Dr. Tim and Janice McCall, who were the directors of Restoration Gateway. It was an incredible trip that the Lord blessed immensely and, and covered thoroughly. Because COVID restrictions were declared in Uganda, literally as we were getting onto the plane, a lot of things had to change. We rested, however, in this truth that anything God allows, he also redeems. And so as we got on the plane, uh, as we arrived in Uganda, the 400 or so attendees that were supposed to have been there, pastors and worship leaders and, and uh, instrumentalists and singers and leaders, was reduced to about 125 because of COVID regulations. But let me just tell you that the Lord was very gracious in that a lot of the uh, high schoolers from the orphanage there were able to attend the conference, otherwise may not have been able to attend all the, all the sessions. We had a lot more time of fellowship with these pastors and these leaders, um, time praying together, getting to know their names, a lot of singing, a lot of dancing. Oh man, a whole lot of dancing as well in, in Uganda. And so thank you for your prayers for us. We trust that the Lord continues to do a work uh, in that nation just as God is at work in all the nations, just as God is at work in this place. And here's what we pray. Here's what I pray. Here's what let's, we need to all pray. Let's ask God to do a work in our hearts today as well. Juneteenth was remembered yesterday. It's, it's now a federal holiday. It's actually a local story. I'm sure you knew this. It took place in Galveston, Texas. In fact, here's the actual Galveston Daily News from, Jan- from June 21st, 1865, reporting on the June 19th, 1865 uh, edict by Major General Granger. Um, he declared freedom to the slaves. Even though it was two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation, there were many slaves who did not even know they were free. Their, their freedom was blood purchased. Christian, so is ours. Our freedom purchased by the blood of Christ. And today in our series, The Ark of Redemption, it moves us to the book of Leviticus. You know, the book they usually stop in for the read the Bible through and plan in a year because it's so confusing. All these, all these laws, admittedly some very baffling chapters in there. Like how do you process uh, chapter 10 verses one through two when these two priests are struck down dead for not following the worship rules exactly? And how do you process chapter 11 verse seven when we read a law that this sounds exactly like this? and the pig because it parts the hoof and does not chew the cud is unclean to you. We, we read this and wonder, should I no longer eat at Rudy's, no longer eat at Vitex, should I no longer order a McDonald's McRib? And I think what God is saying is you should not eat McDonald's McRibs. I think that's really what the scripture is trying to, trying to get to. And, and then you get to chapter 13, and there's some great news 
for men with receding hairlines. In chapter 13, verse 40, it says, if a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald, but he is clean. And many fathers today said, amen and amen. That's good news for a whole lot of us here today. Then you get to chapter 14, you see instructions about cleaning a house. It includes things like using the blood of a bird and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and and hyssop. And we think we don't have those things in in our cabinets at home. And we read Leviticus and think, God, why did you give us this book? Why all these odd details? There's a lot of TMI in, in the book of Leviticus. Well, there's two truths, if you will, to consider anytime you read the first five books of the Old Testament, the, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There's two things that you should consider. Maybe you're reading through some of those books now. We're going to be looking through the book of Leviticus uh, today. Oh, here are two truths that you should always hold on to when you're reading the first five books of the Bible. Number one, Old Testament laws represent God's caring relationship with his people. God does care for his people, and you need to keep that in mind, because if we're not careful, in the first five books, we can see these laws as just some arbitrary, annoying regulations that people had to, had to live by, but really these rules, they're God's way of saying, here's how I want you to love me, and here's how I want you to, to love one another. These laws instead in these first five books are actually a gift from God to his people and how they're to treat one another, what they're to think of themselves. And so we see a good father giving good instructions to his kids, to his children, because he loves them and he is wise in the remainder of their lives and what is best for them. But here's the second thing we need to consider. Anytime we read through these first five books of the Old Testament, while not all Old Testament laws are our laws as New Testament believers, they do teach us so much about how God relates to his people through covenants. Uh, there's several covenants throughout the first five books of the Old Testament, and God loved to re- loves to relate to his people, loves to, to deal with his people through, through covenant. God had promised blessing to his people uh, in response to their obedience back in the book of Exodus through a covenant that God made with, with Abraham. You learned that last week from, from Pastor Mark, who did a phenomenal job of listening to his sermon on that 15-hour plane ride back from Doha to, to DFW on Friday. And he did such a great job, and he was just reminding us that God deals with his people through covenants. I want to point out that most Old Testament laws are not our New Testament laws. We're not Old Testament Israel. We're the New Testament church. And while there is a continuity with Old Testament Israel that all of us have, and in many ways we don't relate to God under the same covenant that they did. There are five covenants in the Old Testament. There's a brand new covenant in the New Testament, the new testimony of God through Christ Jesus. And so our covenant relationship with God today is different than their covenant relationship with God in the Old Testament. Well, what I mean by that is most of the Old Testament laws, if they're not restated or reinforced in the New Testament, that they're not binding laws for us today as New Testament people. However, there are some laws that are clearly restated in the New Testament from the Old Testament or clearly reinforced. A glaring example of that would be Leviticus chapter 19, uh, verse 18, when the law says, you shall not take vengeance against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus comes back and he reinforces that. 
Jesus comes back in Matthew chapter 22, chapter 22 and he restates that when he says all the law and all the prophets hang on the two commandments. Love God with all of your heart, which is actually from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. And love your neighbor as yourself as the aforementioned Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18. So we know that those laws if they're reinforced or reinstated in the New Testament, are not only for the Old Testament people, but also for us as New Testament people as well. All ten of the commandments are reinforced in the New Testament. All ten of the commandments are are restated to us in the New Testament. Therefore, New Testament Christian, we still are obligated, we are still bound, if you will, to the ten commandments because they're reinstated for us once Christ came. In fact, sometimes Jesus even dials up the Old Testament laws. He does that in Matthew chapter 5. Remember those little statements where he said, it has been said, but I say to you. Usually Jesus' I say to you are more intense than even the Old Testament law. Um, Jesus said, you, you have heard it said before that you shall, not, you shall not kill anybody, but I say to you, you shall not even be angry with your neighbor or your brother. Uh, it has been said that you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, you should not even look lustfully upon a woman. It has been said to you, an eye for an eye, but I say to you, if someone hits you on the cheek, turn the other cheek so they may hit that one as well. Jesus often dialed up the Old Testament laws. The bottom line here is that God relates to us through his covenants. By the time we get to Leviticus, there's already been four covenants. You know why? We can't keep them very well. By the time we get to the third book in the Bible, there's already four covenants. We have, the first of all, the Adamic covenant, which is the covenant of creation. The covenant that God made with, with Adam, it was a covenant that would bless his marriage to Eve there in the garden if they obeyed. They did not. Then we have the Noahic covenant, which is that covenant of, of, of preservation. It is God saying not to a couple, but now to a family, to Noah and his wife and his three sons, his three daughters-in-law. He, he is saying to them, I will give you this covenant, this protection, if you will obey. Then we have the Abrahamic covenant that you heard again last week. It was more of the, the covenant of, of blessing. I will bless your nation Again, on the condition, if you obey, then we have the Mosaic Covenant, the covenant of law that happened right before the book of Leviticus, back in the book of Exodus. It was saying, I will bless this holy nation to Moses if you will obey. All of those were imperfect covenants. That's why they keep getting broken. Why are they imperfect? Because they were given to an imperfect mediator. They were given through an imperfect Adam who who disobeyed God, given through an imperfect Noah, who, who got drunk and got naked. It was given through imperfect Abraham, who was a liar, liar through imperfect Moses, who, who was a murderer and had a little bit of an anger management problem as well. Then soon a covenant would come through imperfect David. That'll be next Sunday. And David also was a murderer, an adulterer. So at strike four by humanity, by the time we just get to the third book of Leviticus, that's why we needed a system of forgiveness, which is what the book of Leviticus is all about, these systems of, of forgiveness. We couldn't keep the covenants. I mean, we, we sure could not keep the Mosaic covenant. That had 613 codes, 613 laws. There's no way that we could keep that. We couldn't even keep the 10. And they just added 603 more. We kept breaking the covenant. So why Leviticus? Why is Leviticus here? Why are we talking about Leviticus today in this ark of redemption? Here's the first reason. Again, let me repeat, because we could not keep the law. The law said, honor your parents. What did we do? We dishonored them. The law said, don't lie. What did we do? We lied. 
don't worship idols, we worshiped idols. Keep, keep this day holy, we did not keep that day holy. Here's how to do business with other people, we did it a different way. Give money to those in need, we kept it for ourselves. We are prone to wonder, Lord, we all feel it. Why Leviticus? Because we must not forget that God is holy. This is another purpose of the book of, of Leviticus. In fact, that's the theme of the book of Leviticus, is the holiness of God. Ninety times in Leviticus, the word holy is used. And, and even with this brand new set of systems for forgiveness, there's nothing in Leviticus that reduces the holiness of God. In fact, I need to say this to you. There's nothing in all the Bible that reduces the holiness of God. Leviticus is a reminder that we cannot be casual with God. It's, it is impossible to truly worship God casually. It is impossible also, I might go on record to say, it is impossible to worship God proudly or pr with pride in our hearts. We approach the holiness of God and we're humbled. Deeply humbled. Even afflicted in some sense in his presence. As we consider his holiness, his, his greatness, not just a holy God, but holy, holy, holy. We realize our frailty. We realize our brokenness. We realize our great need. And we can't forget that sin is deadly. God is holy. Our punishment is severe. And let me just say this, Highland. If we forget humility and brokenness in our worship, then God does not have a place in our worship. We enter in. Our hearts are broken. We're frail, so needful, the perfect Savior. So let's get to the theological center of Leviticus, which is Leviticus chapter 16. And Leviticus chapter 16 really answers this question. This, again, has, this is, this is the overarching picture of Leviticus. How can we be one with God again? Because in Genesis chapter 1, verses, uh, chapters 1 and chapter 2, Adam and Eve, they were, if you will, in a sense, one with God. Then we see, we see Noah in Genesis 9 and 10, or 8, 9 and 10. We see Noah and his family, if you will, one with God. At the very end of Exodus, the last chapter of Exodus, Exodus chapter 40, you even see the people of God, and they're enjoying this oneness with God as they just bask in, in, in the glory of, of God. And so we, we come again to this thing of how can we be one with God? And here's the answer, Highland. Sacrifice is necessary. Which is why Leviticus is relevant to 2021. And most relevant to understanding this arc of redemption is the story of God purchasing his people, bringing them back to himself. So let's read a huge portion of Leviticus chapter 16. And if you're in PETA, you're not going to like it. Leviticus chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. When they drew near before the Lord and they died. Why did they die? Because they came in casually. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die. God says, For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body and he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. 
And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And then Aaron shall cast lots or roll the die over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other one for Azazel, the one that will be sent away. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But on the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel, the sending away shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel, separation, departure. Aaron shall present the bull as a, as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself and he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense that are beaten small and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side. And in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood inside the veil and do with his blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall dwell, so he shall also do for the tent a meeting which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for the assembly of Israel. And then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horn of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the people of Israel. And when he has made an end of atonement for the holy place, the tent of meeting and the the altar he shall present the live goat and Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions all their sins and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness the goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness Jump down to the last two verses of that chapter, verse 33 and 34 of chapter 16. He, still meaning the priest, specifically Aaron in this chapter, he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priest now and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statue forever for you that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Aaron did as the Lord commanded Moses. Let's see in Leviticus chapter 16, an annual Old Testament sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. By the way, our Jewish friends still celebrate this. If you have an iPhone, it probably appears for you automatically. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. The day that that we desired, they desired, they obeyed the Lord once a year that their sins would be covered 
Their sins would be atoned for this day of atonement. Here's what happens. We read this just then. Let's just kind of recap what happens in Leviticus chapter 16 for the forgiveness of God's people. Number one, a priest enters an earthly sanctuary. We saw that in verse three. Aaron, you will come into this tent of meeting. You will come into the presence of God, but this would be an earthly sanctuary. A priest enters in. The second thing we see is the blood of a spotless animal is needed. The blood of a goat, the blood of a bull, the blood of a ram, all of them are sacrificed. You may have seen this already, but back in verse 3, that they came from, from a herd that was a herd for the sin offering. We know throughout other portions of the Old Testament that this, this bull needs to be a bull without defect. This ram, a ram without defect. That this goat, a goat without defect. As spotless as the animal could be and always prepared. That's really important, Highland. Always prepared. Third thing, God sees Israel's sins. It's not as if those, those sins get taken away from the view of God. God sees those sins, but he places those sins onto this spotless animal, onto the bull, onto the ram, onto a goat that will die and a goat that will live. This is instead of his wrath being placed on God's people. Who could handle the wrath of God? And so God's wrath was placed instead on the spotless animal. And this is important. God was satisfied by the sacrifice of a substitute. God did not give up his justice. His justice was placed on the spotless animals. His justice was placed on the substitute. He was just towards sin, but gracious towards sinners. A reminder, Highland, that, that God was not just in the Old Testament, but he's now gracious in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, he was a God of justice and a God of grace. And even today, as New Testament believers living in this age of grace in which we now live, God is still just. But he's also very gracious towards sinners, just as he was here in Leviticus chapter 16. But here's the bad news. The sacrifice would need repeating. This is a big problem. Every year you have to do this again. Every year it was a reminder that we're not perfect, we're just sinners. Every year our sin would come up again. Every year our sin would have to be confessed aloud. The, the sin of the priest, the, the sin of the assembly, the sin of all the people. And so it was this thing that just happened over and over again. We saw that in verse 34. Every year this would need repeating and this becomes a big problem because the effect then of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 16 and all the Old Testament is just a temporary forgiveness. It wasn't permanent. Every 12 months we were reminded as Old Testament people that we were nothing more than sinners. Then we get to a new covenant. We get to a perfect mediator. And we see all the way over in Hebrews chapter 10. You can turn there if you want to. You'll see it on the screen. Hebrews chapter 10, the, the, the book of Hebrews, this is going to make so much sense to us, was written to Hebrews. We're written to people with a Jewish background to understand how we're now under this new covenant. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, we need now see this entire new picture of how the ark of redemption is bending toward God's people. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, for since the law, what we just read in Leviticus chapter 16, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come. We are now in, Highland, we're now in the good things, but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of those realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, there's the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, make perfect those who draw near. 
Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices that we just read about in Leviticus 16, there is reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Verse 5 begins with a huge word, consequently. When Christ came into the world, here's a conversation that he has with the Father. He said, sacrifices and offerings, you God, you have not desired. But a body, here's our key word, you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, you're about to hear the conversation of heaven, the conversation of all eternity between the Father and the Son. Jesus said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Jump down to verse 12, the same chapter, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all Time, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for, from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. What do you see here? An abiding New Testament sacrifice on the day of Christ's cross. And man, this is going to sound familiar. A priest enters again, but this time into a heavenly sanctuary. Did you see that conversation? Jesus enters into the presence of his dad, into the presence of his father in the heavenly sanctuary. He is a priest. Christ, who is a priest, he also enters in, not into an earthly sanctuary, but into a heavenly sanctuary. This will sound familiar also. The blood now of a sinless one is needed. The sinless one, not an animal, but a sinless one is needed. Only Jesus was worthy to open that scroll. Jesus lived the perfect life. He is perfectly spotless. He is perfectly sinless. And the blood of a sinless one is needed. And God still sees our sins, but he places them on a sinless man. I think that's really important for us to all understand. God does not ignore our sin. He does something with our sin. He doesn't just sweep it under the rug. He does not forget that we are sinful people. He has taken our sin and placed it upon another, his son, the sinless man, Jesus. And then here, God is satisfied by the substitute's sacrifice. God's justice is compensated. You see, we are blood-purchased people. Here's the good news. I had bad news in the Old Testament. Here's the good news in the New Testament. This sacrifice would last forever. Did you see it? It's mentioned three times in just a few passages we read in Hebrews chapter 10. Jesus did this once and for all. It was a singular sacrifice. It does not need to be made year after year, year after year. He did this once and for all, which is why Jesus sat down when it was finished. Because it was finished. Now he is just waiting for the enemies to become his footstool. The effect, friends, is the permanent removal of all our sin. 
It is now lasting. In the Old Testament, it was a temporary forgiveness. In this New Testament, the covenant that we now live under, the permanent removal of all of our sin. In other words, our guilt and our shame are gone because of the blood of Christ sprinkled across our hearts. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When Satan sees you now and tries to hang your past around your neck, you can declare your innocence in Jesus Christ. You are free. Your guilt before God is is gone. And now you have this position of holiness. He has brought you into this brand new position of holiness because of the sacrifice of another, the sinless son of God. And oh, this means Jesus is our worthy redeemer who is to be praised both now and forevermore. Oh, praise his name. He is now the center of our worship. He is the satisfaction of our souls. He's the high priest. The high priest who will continually represent us. He is ever interceding for you. In fact, the book of Hebrews says that he lives to intercede. Some of you live for the weekend. Some of you live for vacation. Some of you live for the perfect meal. Jesus lives to pray for you. He's your lawyer. He's your advocate. When you feel lonely this week, when you feel overwhelmed this week, when you feel uncertain this week, here's great news for every Christian. Jesus prays a perfect prayer for you every day. He represents you. He did not just love you on the cross. He loves you now. And he is the lamb who will eternally reign over us. Our lives are now his, Christian. That's good news. We no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to him. And he delights in us just as we delight in him. And this lamb, slain and now resurrected, will be our king forever. To the glory of his glorious name. This lamb who took our place on the cross is still the same lamb today who is seated upon an everlasting throne would you stand would you pray with me we are welcomed into your presence God by because the blood of Christ we can't settle for just sitting in a seat on Sunday and and staying on the sidelines as spectators every other day of the week no God we're in awe of a God who has saved us. We're in awe of a a Savior who volunteered in heaven to come and be the sacrifice, God, that you truly desired. God, we stand in awe today that we get to be New Testament believers purchased by a sacrifice that's been made once and for all. So we're not reminded of our sins every year. We are reminded that we're daughters and sons of God. Because of a lamb who took our place. God, would you stir our affections for you? Would you stir our minds' attentions for you? As we sing to this one who went to our cross.